1: 630 Chad inside sports with Reed Wilkins weekdays at six on 630 Chad between 630 and seven tonight we'll be joined by Edmonton Oilers defenseman Matt Benning we'll touch on what he's doing during this isolation period we'll look back on some earlier moments in his career Benning battled some injuries this season has one goal he got it on january 29th against the calgary flames i want you to just listen listen carefully here to uh, the start of the audio that was on six thirty 30 of that game so can you hear that there listen listen really close you can hear somebody yelling go numerous times so uh, that, that's the lead up to, to Benning's goal against Calgary on January 29th. He's going to talk about that specific play, who was yelling, go, go, and the uh, impact that it had on the goal. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on Eskimos and Oilers Radio 630. Chad, my name is Reed Wilkins. We'll also be joined by Eskimos long snapper Ryan King tonight. I was a little disappointed earlier today. I was getting some stuff ready for the show, and I, I was looking something up on Wikipedia. Now, I know from working in broadcasting, you, you have to be careful about using Wikipedia as a source. I don't know what the rules are for for students writing writing papers if you can actually cite Wikipedia these days. But you, you have to be careful. I, I you know, I, I more use it maybe to confirm something I'm trying to remember that I'm not sure about or, you know, check for maybe something that, perhaps a little more uh, frivolous, something to refer to. I think you have to be careful using it as a, as a hard and fast source on everything. So I was looking up the Elmwood neighborhood in, uh, in Edmonton. That's a neighborhood in West Edmonton. And if you, I'm sure you've seen on Wikipedia, sometimes with a neighborhood or a town or a city, they will have the write-up on the city and the demographics and the history and the weather and all that kind of stuff. And then they'll have notable people from that town, right? So, uh, you know, notable people from, from Edmonton, they, they'd list, you know, whatever, authors, actors, uh, big-name politicians that have all come from Edmonton. So from Elmwood, I was a little dismayed to see that they did not list former NHL goaltender Kelly Rudy as an original resident of uh, Elmwood. Kelly, I, I, I can edit Wikipedia myself. I might have to go put your name in there.
0: Well, you know what? Did they list Clint Malarchuk? though? No, because Clint and I grew up, he actually lived right across the alley from Elmwood School. So Clint didn't, uh, uh, I think he was born in Grand Prairie, but he moved to Elmwood when he was about 10 years old, some, something like that. But, uh, man, Reed, I have the greatest memories of growing up there. You know, I can uh, really go back in time. White Mud Preway wasn't even built yet. Uh, that was a ravine that we used to ride our bikes in for a while. And then when I was, I don't know, about 10 years old, ballpark around that, then they started the construction on White Mud Preway. Uh, We lived on 159th Street, which is uh, a street that today, if you're going to go from White Mud Freeway, you can take 159th right to Metal Arts Mall. And uh, the 159th Street, it was just the the side road. So it didn't even have that main street uh, paved yet. I can't remember. I think I was about seven or so, eight when that happened. And uh, my mom actually worked at Medlark Mall. There's a great family. The Tugases, in uh, Edmonton, and they own some uh, children's clothing stores, Jack and Jill. I don't know if you would remember those, reads.
1: I, I, uh, I do vaguely remember that, actually. Wow, that's incredible.
0: <laughs> yeah, my mom sold shoes at Jack and Jill for years and years and years, and uh, usually at Medlark Mall. But uh, when West Edmonton was built, then she uh, moved over there for a while. Uh, yeah, just incredible memories of that neighborhood and uh i i lived about four blocks or so away from elmwood elementary school and elmwood is where i learned how to skate outdoors i I told you that story before where when i was 11 i wanted to start playing hockey with my buddies i wanted to join a team or a league and my mom and dad told me i couldn't because i had to learn how to skate for a year the best advice i've ever been given so Right after school when the weather turned cold, I'd run home after school, unload my, my books and all that or whatever I had to grab my skates and go back over to Elmwood and skate for as long as I could and rush home for dinner and then right back to Elmwood to skate <laughs> on the outdoor rink. Just just the, the greatest memories of all time.
1: Oh, that, that's that's amazing. So you so it was and the school was the same as the neighborhood. It was Elmwood Elementary. Yes. Like, were you a good student? Were you one of those kids that liked going to school? Because I was one of those kids, I got decent marks, but I kind of, I guess when I got a little older, you start to appreciate school a little more. But as a little kid, I was always like, why? I just want to stay home and play.
0: Yeah, I I think I was in that category. I think I, I was an average student. Um, but clearly looking back on it, Reed, uh, I did not work hard enough at it. Like I said, after school, I, was, uh, I dropped my stuff off at home, and instead of doing the homework that uh, was needed, I was uh, back at the rink, and uh, I wasn't great at that. I, you know, I, I knew, do you know one thing. I wasn't a disruptive kid. I certainly wasn't uh, disruptive in the class because I was so shy I think anybody that went to school with me, whether it's at Elmwood or Hillcrest or at JP, would tell you uh, the the job that I would least likely have would be a broadcaster because I barely <laughs> said a word. I was a great listener, but I, I was too shy to talk to anybody. So, uh, but yeah, going back to Elmwood, we had the greatest uh, uh, teachers and staff and everybody. I just never felt. Threatened or anything, or intimidated or bullied, or anything. There, I was
1: one of the fortunate ones. Kelly Rudy joining us on Inside Sports. Okay, uh, Clint Malarchuk. I just double checked, you guys are only about three months apart in age. Yeah, uh, all and he, he was also a goaltender in the NHL. I, I should quickly uh, just put a frame on this conversation if because younger people might not uh, know the whole story. Clint Malarchuk suffered a horrifically bad skate slashed to the throat in an NHL game one of the most horrific injuries you'll ever see but he was a pretty good goaltender besides that so were you guys buddies did you have a rivalry if you played on different teams or what
0: well Clint uh I was not very good and I've told that story many times but Clint was uh we all thought he was a rock star like we all thought that he was going to play in the National Hockey League and uh you know it was interesting because, uh, and I, I don't mind sharing this story, and Clint uh, has written a book, and I don't know, read if you've read it, but your uh, your listeners should also. I think it's, personally, I think it's the greatest sports book ever written because Clint uh, shares so much about his personal life and how difficult it was. And uh, i got to tell you what, uh, get back to the Clint story in a second about his play at a young age and what he went through. But uh, I was sent an advanced copy of the book, It was in the summer. I had to go to Winnipeg for something. And uh, I had to put it down many, many times because I was tearing up. My my good friend Clint went through a lot as a kid and I didn't know as much what he was battling. I didn't know about his mental health and so on. But one thing I did find curious when we were about 12 years old and still in elementary our last year at Elmwood, and Clint had to go away, and we were told that he had ulcers, and uh, so he is in the hospital for a while. I, I learned out or learned later that he was having mental health issues, anxiety, and all these other things, and that's why Clint uh, couldn't play hockey for a little bit. But getting back to his hockey, read, he was by far the best kid in the neighborhood, and so, uh, you know, he was drafted, I believe, from Portland in the fourth round. Um, And and he had a really good NHL career. As Brian Burke has said to many people, when you read Clint's book, it's a miracle that Clint made the National Hockey League with what he was dealing with mentally. So utmost respect for my buddy Clint and uh, all of our good friends in Elmwood.
1: Now how the the hockey scene in and like people are texting in now, Kelly. Uh, yeah. th- this texter says uh, Hugh Park used to kick Elmwood's butt in hockey, <laughs> so like fifty <laughs> years later, your neighborhood's still getting trash talk. Well, not quite fifty <laughs> years later. Uh, this texter says, oh, "Wow, I, I grew up in Laurier Heights. I didn't even yeah. know the history of the West End of Edmonton." So 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 people are enjoying this. But did you play? So, did you, who, who, like, what minor hockey association were you in, or was it connected to the school at all?
0: It was Elmwood, uh, same thing. And, uh, but I never played on any rep teams. I, I never played. Uh, I was always like Pee Wee B or uh, Bantam B, Bantam C, whatever it was, that uh, wherever I could fit in. Uh, my first year, midget, I played midget B. Um, they didn't have triple like midget triple-A back then, so it was still uh, uh, A, B, C, and I think maybe even uh, Pee Wee. They might have had D. I'm not sure, but uh, so it was a, it was a long journey for myself. But uh, you know, I, I remember playing. This is this is another fact that I'd forgotten. Read other than minor hockey week, all of my games were outdoors or in a shell. So that's uh, you know when you're not playing rat- hockey you're not get playing in arenas and so that was kind of interesting uh, for me as well along the journey
1: oh well yeah okay so all right so you go to elmwood elementary what was your junior high hillcrest okay and then across the field okay
0: and, hey, here's another tidbit about hillcrest junior high our principal was johnny bright former edmonton Eskimo, great running back And so he was an imposing man just because he was a big man, but he happened to have a really kind heart, and he was a real uh, gem of a man. I never really talked to him much, but I found out from a whole bunch of other people how how he was such a nice, sweet man. But I I thought it was one of the coolest things ever. A former star in the CFL, a CFL great, and I was a huge Eskimos fan. He's my principal in junior high.
1: Oh, wow. That's a—did Had you seen him play then? Well, I guess oh, g- games boy. weren't even on TV, were they?
0: No, they weren't, and uh, I I never went live until I was a little bit older.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Uh, couldn't afford it, and so uh, and that's when the Eskimos uh, were playing at Clark Stadium still.
1: Okay, and then you you went to Medicine Hat in the WHL. Yeah. So did you what did you start high school here and then finish in Medicine Hat or how did that work?
0: Yes. Exactly. I finished, it took two two years for me to finish in uh, Medicine Hat because of the uh, traveling, and, and frankly, back then junior hockey didn't focus as much on uh, the schooling part of it. So um, I I went to grade ten at JP, and then my final two years were
1: in. Or uh,
0: I take that back. In fact, I think it was uh, ten and eleven at, at JP, and then grade twelve. It took me two years in Medicine Hat.
1: Okay. And and at any point did you. Um, I got to ask this politely because I'm not sure what the answer is. At any point, did you excel academically or was that always uh, secondary?
0: You know what? For some reason, uh, certain topics, like I I love the sciences, uh, and I I, did pretty well. I think in, uh, oh boy, physics in grade 10, I think I had a final mark of 76 and social sciences. I did pretty well. Um, but you know, I was a typical uh, typical kid, I guess. Something had to really interest me for me to really dig into it and uh, try and uh, excel. Otherwise, I probably, like I said earlier, didn't put in the work that I needed to.
1: Kelly Rudy joining us tonight on Inside Sports. Are uh, going down uh, memory lane, uh, of course. Uh, Kelly, an analyst with the NHL, and Rogers, former NHL goaltender, grew up in the Elmwood neighbor here in Edmonton. And uh, the the text line is a fun place right now. Kelly, actually, as as you were telling the, jelly, the Johnny Bright story, uh, somebody yeah. said, "Does Kelly remember Johnny Bright bringing the principal?" So they were probably texting that just before you started <laughs> telling the story, which is uh, w- which is pretty cool. So so as a as a kid. So you know you're playing hockey and you got buddies and all that kind of stuff. Who were your athletic heroes w- when you were growing up?
0: Uh, well, anybody that played for the Eskimos certainly would have been because I was the biggest uh, fan, not only of the Eskimos but the CFL. But uh, there was a, a running back by the name of Roy Bell. Here, here, here's another story about my shyness. So. Roy Bell was going to be at the Meadowlark Simpson Sears. It wasn't Sears back then. It was still Simpson Sears. And he was going to sign little mini footballs. And I thought this was amazing. My buddy that also grew up in Elmwood by the name of Jeff Marshall, I'm still friends with him. And uh, we walked over to Meadowlark Mall. It was a beautiful summer day. And there's a table set up in the sports section of Simpson Sears. And there's Roy Bell and I couldn't believe my eyes. I'm looking at a true sports star to me. And you know, Reed, I was so darn shy I couldn't go up there and ask him for his autograph. And I bailed. And I was so disappointed in myself. I thought, Oh my gosh, what an opportunity. And my buddy Jeff went over and he said he was a really nice man. And I still couldn't get get up the courage. But and then other sports heroes I had, like I love the NFL, I love baseball, um, yeah, I, I, Roger, or, uh, Tony Dorset uh, is a big fan of, Roger Staubach, Terry Bradshaw, Franco Harris, Lynn Swan, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers. And, and in fact, when I played in San Jose, there's a charity event. Uh, Christy Yamaguchi, who's now married to Brett Hedekin, she had a charity event in, in downtown San Fran. And at the event, I was able to meet Lynn Swan. He even knew who I was. So I was like, oh, my God, oh, this is amazing. How in <laughs> the world would Lynn Swan know who I am? <laughs> so it's a weird world sometimes.
1: Oh, that's... Uh, Kelly, we're going to have to revisit this topic uh, later on because, like I said, uh, this, this is bringing back a lot of fun memories for uh, listeners, too, especially those who lived uh, in Elmwood or in the West End at any point in their life. I'm just going to th- quickly throw you this one from Byron. Yep. Who says uh, Kelly's cousin Brent sold me a '76 silver Mustang back in the day?
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, there's lots of connections that we all have, right?
1: <laughs> That's amazing. Hey, Kelly, uh, you know what? Thanks for, uh, you know, it, it's tough. So thanks for telling the stories and uh, and giving people something else to think about, enlightening the mood a little bit. It's it's always great having you on the show every week, man. Hope you and your family are well.
0: Okay, we are, read and thanks, and hope everybody else is well, too.
1: Take care. That is Kelly Rudy checking in tonight. Straight out of Elmwood. He should, we should make T-shirts for Kelly and his fans. Straight out of Elmwood. Inside Sports on 630. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at
2: bankofamerica.com slash talk to us.
1: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the
3: app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America N.A. Member FDIC.
1: Matt Banning is coming up after the 6.30 news. we got to take a quick break. is Jack White? It is. Beauty. Run up with me. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. The NHL has extended the uh, isolation period for players until April 15th. It was April 4th. The Edmonton Eskimos have canceled their women's dinner. That was scheduled for May 7th. Not sure we're going to see uh, any new sports for a while here, guys, but we will stay with you on Inside Sports. 625 active cases of COVID-19 in Alberta. Now, they have, there has been 754 confirmed cases total. 64 of those added today. There have been 120 recoveries and unfortunately nine people have passed away. So 625 uh, active as this continues to be the headline story around the world. Some guests on Inside Sports get gift certificates to Northern Chicken, bringing down South Comfort Food to Edmonton with their creative take on Southern classics spun with a modern twist. NorthChickenYEG.com. They uh, are offering pickup and delivery as, of course, uh, well, That's the only way you can get your restaurant food these days. Matt Benning is coming up in the next half hour. Eskimos long snapper Ryan King will also join us tonight to talk about the uh, postponement of training camp that was supposed to get going on May 17th. We'll also visit with Lisa Longball-Vluswick, who is an eight-time Canadian long drive champion, and uh, she's joined the uh, many people who are given some online courses hers of course related to golf she's between 7:30 and 8 tonight back after the news chat with Kelly Rudy who said when he was growing up in Elmwood, his uh, favorite Edmonton Eskimo was running back Roy Bell. Now, this is before my time. Well, I guess I would have been, well, I would have been like an infant. Way before my time. Well, actually, no, he would have joined the Eskimos before I was born. In 1972, played with the Eskimos until 1976. Uh, Had a 1,400-yard rushing season. Had a 1,300-yard rushing season with the Eskimos. Helped them win the Grey Cup in uh, 1975. He was a CFL All-Star twice, so he was a pretty good player. Roy Bell, who uh, is currently 70 years of age, played college football at the University of uh, Oklahoma and wound up having a nice little stretch with the Edmonton, Edmonton Eskimos. So that will be... Our off topic topic for tonight, Kellen. People can text 780 496 0063. Your favorite Edmonton Eskimo of the 1970s. <laughs> now, this will apply only to people of a certain vintage, but oh, I, I know okay. we have, some, out of the 14 listeners we have, I'm sure at least some of them we, uh, remember the Eskimos of the 1970s. Where uh, I think what's I think 71 they were still pretty bad and then they started getting good one in 75 and then eventually 78 79 the first two years of the five in a row. So, your, your favorite Edmonton Eskimo of the 1970s 7804960063. Cool, I would not have one, I would not have one. I don't remember the games, I, I definitely remember the 1980s, even the end of the five in a row. I only vaguely remember, I was still pretty young. I mean, I'm sure I watched the games. I would have been what, uh, how old would I have been? Eight? In 82? When they got their, their fifth straight? So, yeah, I, I would have been watching the games, but I certainly don't remember the games in the late 70s. Though I do remember going, I have very vague, vague memories of watching... Games at Northlands Coliseum in the World Hockey Association, and I would have oh, been cool. not even five yet. Like, like I know we well, I know I I know we went to games, and I kind of remember being at some sort of a hockey game, but like like a lot of my memories, they're a little foggy. By the way, Ricky Foggy, there's an ex CFLer for you. Not from there the seventies though. Yeah. Ricky Foggy would have been what nineties? Yes, late eighties or nineties? Early nineties, I think. Uh, Toronto Argos. Yes. Was he on the 91 team that won the Great Cup? I'll have to look and see. Well, wasn't Dunnigan the quarterback? Yes, I believe and so. And Ismail was the star. Yeah. Is Ricky Foggy might have been the backup? He might have been, actually. Maybe, yeah. yeah. He might have been. Maybe. Ricky Foggy, great name. 780 uh, 496 George McGowan. Oh, George McGowan and Larry Highbaugh are all on the f- text for coming in. Uh, Larry Highbaugh and George McGowan are the runaway leaders. And I, now, here's the thing i gotta I gotta remind people. I am not an expert on the Eskimos of the 1970s. I'm probably not an, an expert on last year's Eskimos, but, but, but at least I know who's was on the roster. So if you said a name, I would know if he was or wasn't an Eskimo. You could write in a fake name for a player from the 70s, and I wouldn't know. But I know George McGowan was a good player, and uh, I certainly know Larry Highball was an outstanding player. Because um, so, somebody wrote in, safety, John Wydarney, and I don't know if that's a real person. Well, I'm sure it is. Uh, John y. Darney. That's a cool last name as well. Uh, Jim Germany. Kepley was Kepley already there in the late seventies. I think seventy eight. Is that when he was on Germany? that team, wasn't he? But uh, well, people love George McGowan. He's he's. Uh, I would say he's the uh, the leader right now on the text line seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Hustle over to Matt Benning. He'll skate it in right-hand side. Makes a beautiful move inside hand of it. Shoots
0: and scores! What a finish by Matt Benning! Who had not finished the game since November
1: the 16th. That was a big goal for Matt Benning back on January 29th. I played that little piece of audio for you earlier. Someone shouting go, go, go at the beginning. We're going to get to that as we welcome Oilers defenseman Matt Benning to Inside Sports. Matt, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Doing good, thanks. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. It's uh, it's nice to catch up with you. We, we speak often in different circumstances, usually in the, <laughs> the order's dressing room after practice or after morning skates. So thanks for catching up here under these very strange circumstances. Let people know kind of where you've been spending your time and who you've been spending it with.
3: Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, I have a place at Wobberman. It's about an hour um, west from the city. Um, and, and that's kind of where me, my wife Janelle, and my dog Moose, we've been spending our time. Um, so um, you know what? It's, it's so peaceful out there. Get up in the morning, uh, make breakfast together, and and uh, kind of look out at the at the frozen, <laughs> snowy lake. Um, and you know, what, my dog absolutely loves it. He's a bigger dog, so he gets to run around and, and that sort of thing. And you know what? We just have we've been doing some projects out there, like chopping some wood for fires in the summer and that sort of thing. Just uh, doing some spring cleaning, um, and only kind of coming into the city if we absolutely have to, and kind of following along um, the uh, the isolation uh, rules and that sort of thing. So you know, it's it's been it's been uh, the last I don't know a week and a half, two weeks. It felt like two months, but uh, I mean, what else can you do? You just got to do your part and and uh, make sure that uh, everyone's doing that, and so we can get back to playing hockey
1: it's interesting matt the dogs of oilers players have become quite the celebrities over the last couple weeks connor was doing some lifting with uh Leonard, and yeah. uh, leon mentioned yesterday that he's been working on some dangling maneuvers against his dog in the basement of his house uh, so the, so the dogs are getting some attention here tell us uh, tell us a little bit about uh, uh about moose because i think you posted he recently had a birthday
3: yeah he just turned three and uh after my first year with the Oilers we went and uh, we bought Moose and um,
1: I've
3: I've been in a family of 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 dogs and especially labs and my wife Janelle loves dogs and that sort of thing so uh, you know he's been great he's uh, he's kind of lazy whenever we're lazy and if we're outside he he runs around and rips around so he's, he's been a great dog and Um, I don't know if he would if he would try to take the tennis ball. If I tried dangling him, but if I threw it, he'd definitely go get it.
1: Okay, well that's uh, uh, that's good. Well, I was joking yesterday when when we're back to playing playing and and Leon scores a a one on one goal, beating a defenseman. I'm we're gonna all be called the uh, the doggy dangle or something (laughs) like that because that's what he was working on. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um. Matt, uh, just tell us a little bit about how you're feeling. Obviously, you didn't get to play in every game this this season because you, you took a couple uh, blows to the head. Uh, I mean, is every th- you know those kind of shots can be can be pretty scary? How have how you feeling from been feeling from all that?
3: Yeah, I mean, it, those are kind of the things you can't really control. I mean, I got a stick in the ear and and had almost like vertical like issues, and and um, and then obviously my first game back, you take a slap shot to the side of the head, so that wasn't uh ideal circumstances but you know what you have to stay positive you have to stay focused on trying to get back and trying to help the team out as much as you can so um i think i've I've been in around 35 40 games maybe this year obviously that's a lot less than than normal but uh, uh, i mean injuries sometimes you just can't control you just got to focus on getting back and making sure you protect yourself
1: well, speaking of dangles, your goal this season against the Calgary Flames, pretty nice one-on-one move and then a solid shot to, to finish. And I think that tied the game against Calgary back on January 29th. Take us through that play yeah. if you if you remember all the details, Matt.
3: Yeah, for sure. I think it was at the end of my shift and uh, Chris Russell kind of passed the puck over to me and, and Connor kind of was gaining speed like he does and and was getting, and they kind of marked him up thinking I'd just drop it to him. And so he just kind of yelled at me, said, go, go, go. So I thought, well, I probably should listen to Connor. <laughs> so I, uh, you know what, I saw the defense and he kind of, he kind of uh, started cheating back thinking I was just going to dump it in and, and saw a lane and, and just took that opportunity and, um, and kind of drove it to the net. And honestly, I was trying to kind of just bank it off the pad, like a, a pa- pass off the pad because um, Cass was going back door, um, but it ended up working and, and sliding through him. So I actually had a similar um, a play uh, a week before when I was um, in Bakersfield, and uh, during during the all- NHL All Star All Star break there, so um, I could say maybe that uh, I got a little confidence in the American League and and thought I could try it in NHL and it ended up working.
1: Matt Benning, Edmonton Oilers defenseman joining us tonight on Inside Sports Matt, I, I want to step back in time a little bit with you here, you, you played it for Spruce Grove in the AJHL uh, I, I didn't uh, you were in the league after I, I worked in Lloydminster and covered the league, but I, but I always enjoy people who, th- that was part of their journey, and, and then you went for a season in the, in the USHL to, to play for the Dubuque Fighting Saints to, tell us a little bit about you know, that transition and making that move at that point in your career
3: yeah, for sure. Um, uh, I was drafted um, out of Spruce Grove, um, drafted to Boston, and, and Pete Shirelli was the GM in Boston at the time, and he was also part owner at Dubuque. And uh, so he kind of is kind of a joint thing. I kind of wanted to jump up and... And help myself have an e- easier transition into college, and, and I knew that USHL was, was the road I wanted to go. So, went there one year. uh got a scholarship to Northeastern, which is a school in downtown Boston. And yeah, I mean it, it was it was a very positive experience for me. It was my first time kind of moving away from home. Uh, in the USHL, I had a built family, but uh, for a lot of things I was on my own. So, I got a I got to learn a lot of things. Um, my built family was awesome. Um, still keep in contact with them uh, almost weekly, so uh, it, was, it was definitely a great experience we ended up winning um, the Clark Cup, which was, which was the championship there um, had a great head coach and, and great
1: teammates when you, when you wound up with the Oilers, I mean, obviously Boston had your rights, but then th- there was never a contract there, so like, were you pretty sure Pete was going to maybe want you back, or were you thinking like oh geez, did I, did I do the right thing here by not signing with Boston, or what was that part of it like?
3: Yeah, I think it was uh, um, after my third year of college, I knew I was ready to make that jump, and and my rights were kind of up after that year. And I knew that there was um, a few teams that could be interested if Boston didn't want to sign me. So, um, you know what, I mean, it was it was joint, I think. I mean, Keith Gretzky, he was in Boston when they drafted me, and he really liked me, um, and obviously Peter. And um, so when, when the time came and Edmonton called, and obviously he was... It was a pretty easy choice for me. It was was hometown, um, unbelievable rank, um, young team, and um, I thought I I could come in and and have a chance at at playing in the league in the next few years. Um, So that was kind of my thought process in in that whole thing. Um, I visited a few other teams, um, and you know what? It it, it felt like the right fit here in Edmonton, not just because I'm from there, but uh, just the way that the organization treated me. And and my agent.
1: Well, and you step right into the Oilers, you, like you mentioned. The first year in Rogers' place turned out to be a pretty exciting season because the team broke the the decade-long playoff drought. I had Mark Letestu on the show last week, who who was a part of that team, and I. Uh, it was past Saturday was the, I guess it would be now the third anniversary of the Oilers finally clinching a playoff spot with a win over the Los Angeles Kings. And I asked him what he remembered about that game and, and that night and, and you as an Edmontonian certainly were well aware of the struggles of the team. What, what do you remember about finally clinching? I mean, it had been a good year. You guys were on the path to do it, but it was called the decade of darkness. What do you remember about the night that finally ended it?
3: Yeah, I mean, for me, I've I've been on both sides. I've been there as a fan. I was there when they had the Stanley Cup run. I was there against, um, against Detroit and in, in in Edmonton at Rexall, and and that was special as a fan. I think I was maybe ten or twelve, but um, that was pretty crazy. And I know how passionate the fans are. My parents have been season ticket holders for others for I don't know fifteen years. So um, I, I knew what that meant to the city and to the fans. And. And knowing that, I think it meant um, a lot to me. Um, I think there's some other guys in the dressing room, like Nuge and Epps, that uh, that have been there for a while, and Clef, um, that have kind of been through those darker days and, and experienced that. And I think that that meant a little bit more to them. But I mean, it was for me, it was it was amazing. Um, a lot of people reached out to me and said how excited they are, and you kind of just see how the fans kind of came around and rallied behind us. Uh, even when we were playing at home I mean we were packing packing the rink and and people were watching there and Fort Hall was insane and and yeah I mean I just remember I mean our our dressing room you can kind of look out onto 104 and I remember I was leaving the game and somebody brought a trampoline after one of the games we won and it was jumping jump everyone was jumping on the trampoline and, and I was like wow you know what like this is this is special you don't see that you don't see that every day so um, you know what it was special for me just being from edmonton growing up watching the oilers and then i mean to see it in a different perspective as a player um all that was special
1: i had not heard that trampoline story before matt and and as you know i mean i'm on air till about 90 minutes or or a couple hours after the game ends so i'm not out with the crowd and the energy and the celebration so somebody had a trampoline on 104th avenue after one of your games (laughs)
3: Yeah, and I don't know if it was right after the game or if it was when I was coming home, but um, I saw that there was a trampoline and a bunch of people pushing it and jumping on it, and people were just going wild, and people were honking their horns and and that sort of thing. So um, I, I, I was just like, you know what, I'll probably never see this again in my life. <laughs> this, is, this is a crazy moment, so... I definitely remember that. And I think some of the other players remember that too.
1: Okay. Well, I'm glad you told me that. Well, let's, let's, let's bring it full circle then, because obviously you guys were in very good shape to nail down a playoff spot for how the team was doing this year. I'm, I'm not going to ask you to speculate on what might happen or, or what do you think the playoffs should look like if, if there are playoffs, because there's so much unknown, but in terms of, of this season, um, you know, in a playoff spot, pretty much all year, you guys had a hot start. Special teams, incredible. Top two leading scorers in the league. I've kind of, I've kind of listed off a few good things there. But one or two big keys for you for for why the team had been doing pretty well so far this year.
3: Yeah, I think I think that there was a more there was a better connection between uh, forwards, defensemen, and goalie. I think that there was a. I'm not just saying this because I'm because I'm a defenseman, um, but I thought that there was a, there was a better um, effort at, at defending and, and more consistent defending and, and making sure that we we're almost predictable in our own zone. Um, I mean, for one, our goalies were outstanding, both of them, uh, but I thought we played a lot better defensive in the defensive zone. No one was kind of left out to dry and that sort of thing, and if there was a breakdown, we have guys supporting um so i think that's that's part of the leadership i think it's part partly coaching and i think it's guys buying in and, and trusting the system
1: all right well matt i appreciate you catching up with us here on uh, on 630 chad i know you're you're keeping busy and you're getting ready to be a dad too aren't you
3: yeah yeah uh, my wife's due june 30th so uh it was one of those things that uh a few months ago we were like all right well playoffs will be done by then probably and and uh And uh, I'll be there for the birth, but uh, who who knows what's going to happen now. But uh, regardless, we're both uh, super excited and, and ready for little one to come into life.
1: Okay, well, all the best with that. Matt, please keep in touch. Thanks for making time for us and hope to see you back at the rink as soon as possible. Sounds good. Thank you. That is Edmonton Oilers defenseman Matt Benning. So splitting his time during the pandemic between Edmonton and his place near Lake Wadman. Really good to talk to Matt. Inside sports on Ched. We'll have some comments from Oilers head coach Dave Tippett when we get back. Head coach Dave Tippett held a conference call today. He was asked to look back on his preseason expectations for the Oilers.
2: I think Ken put it best when he said, we want to be playing meaningful games in March. And uh, and we've got ourselves in that position. So it's, uh, it's hard when you're coming into a new situation because you don't know the players as well as you you would if you'd been there before. So, uh, my expectations were high coming in. When you have players like McDavid, clef Clefbaum, Nuge, uh, you know, you got players that are good core players, Right, so you should be able to find a way to, uh, to earn a playoff spot. So, um, to say that, uh, my expectations weren't high would be wrong. Um, there's always surprises and dips that happen during the during the season and experiences you go through. But I like the way our team continued to kind of trend up even after we had some downtimes, we found ways to rebound, found ways to to grab it. And when you, you go through some of that adversity, it it helps you moving forward. So I liked where we are. Um, like I say, the last uh, the last little bit there before we finished. We're trying to find that rhythm in our lineup with adding those new players to to make us a deeper group and to make us uh, a real, real competitive group. And we were still in the in the mode of doing that. I like where we are. Would you rather be in first place? Sure, I would rather be in first place. I'd rather be there all day long. But but uh, I think we're trending the right way, and I still think we're trending the right way. It's just uh, we got to get back and get get. Uh, get up and going to see where we we actually get to.
1: All right, a little bit there from Dave Tippett, who is in Arizona while the uh, NHL is in pause. The Edmonton Eskimos are hoping to have, the. uh, here's the thing, the Oilers are hoping to finish their season. The Eskimos are hoping to start theirs. Training camp will not start on May 17th, which is when it was scheduled to go. Ryan King, long snapper from the Eskimos, will check in after the 7 o'clock news. Thank you so much for listening tonight. Back after the news.
2: 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.